0: welcome to the encounter christian church message podcast where we bring you the latest messages from our sunday services to find out more about encounter or to plan your visit with us you can find us online at www.encounter.cc we hope you enjoy this message good morning well welcome to church resurrection sunday hey it's a place to be let's close our eyes i'm just going to pray over the word today heavenly father we just thank you for your son, Jesus, that today is the day that we celebrate resurrection, that there's hope, that there's new life, Father, that we don't understand how and why things happen to us, Lord, but you have our lives in your hand. Every spirit that would come against the Spirit of God today, we bind that power. We pray, Father, with the authority that we have for open heaven over shepherded, over Encounter Church and over our families and communities in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Good praying. All of us have hopes and dreams at some point. And maybe when you're younger and as you've got older, maybe life's kicked that out of you. I mean, life can do that to us, you know, and we can give up on on stuff. But I want to encourage you today that, that purpose is why we were created and why you were made. Like God hasn't just kind of, you weren't just born to be on this earth and be an accident. You weren't just born to just kind of live a mundane life. That you were born that your gifts and your abilities and the talents that God had put into you would serve him. That would bring glory to his name, and you know you got the generations. You know, I lose track of all these things. You got the baby boomers, don't you? Then you got your generation X, and then you got generation Y, and I think the new one's Z, if I've got it right. Depends on what sociologists you listen to, and and they're saying like the latest generation, early twenties, is is they want purpose. Like I actually think that their perspective of what they want out of life is actually a biblical one. They actually would rather less money if they can have fulfillment. They would rather um, have a career that's going to give them genuine fulfillment because they've seen their parents and their parents' parents work nine to five. They've seen them and they see at the end of the day, you've got a nice home and your money goes to somebody else and you're unhappy in your job all your life. And, and this generation say, no, we want more. We want fulfillment. We want purpose to what we do. We want to get up for a reason. And that's the biblical perspective, that we have a reason and a purpose. Sometimes we can judge ourselves. We can judge other people. ...by just the circumstances around our lives or other people's lives. And, and sometimes we can, you know, we can assume that person's in that situation because they made a wrong decision. And that could be the case. Sometimes we can assume, oh, the devil did it to me. Maybe there's demonic forces or powers of darkness that, that have influenced something. You know, maybe it's just unfortunate circumstances have put you in the situation... But there is a third option that possibly, even though you don't understand where you are right now, that it is a part of the master plan of God. That maybe you're in a situation that you weren't expecting, but maybe that is God's way. Maybe there is um, seemingly strange pathways to our life. And I'm relating this to Easter because I kind of think, God, you've got this master plan where you sent your son, yourself, to die. And then rise, rise again on a third day. Like, in a logical sense, it's a crazy plan. It almost seems strange. But I want to say that God is strange. He does strange things. He leads us down pathways that are strange. The end is just the beginning. It's a strange statement. And and yet, that's the Easter story. The end of Jesus' physical body of an earthly body died and was buried in the ground and then the third day he was raised to life with an eternal body which was a picture of us that one day when we if we accept him we will have an eternal body a body that won't die i talked about on friday about abraham and isaac And I'm giving you a recap. You know when you're watching a TV series and you've missed the last episode, they give you a little recap. So here's a recap on Friday so you you, you get with the program for today. And God got Abraham to sacrifice or asked him to sacrifice his son Isaac. He couldn't have children. So they waited years and years and years and years and years decades. And eventually they got their promise, their son, who would carry on their inheritance and their business and their wealth and their name. And God then says, that son of yours, he's about 10 now, I want you to sacrifice him before me, your only begotten son whom you love. And I talked about how that's a picture that God was giving his only begotten son. So God was saying to Abraham, He said, is there a man on the earth who would be willing to lay his son down? Because one day in a couple of thousand years, I'm going to lay my son down on an altar and he will be sacrificed for the sins of humanity. And as Abraham took his only begotten son, his promise, his dream, his hope, and he put him on the altar and he was about to kill his son, even though he didn't want to, he believed that God was able to raise his son from the dead. He, he, that was his faith. But God goes, no, 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 don't do it. I, I'm testing you. Fo- I want to see. And so he doesn't do it. The angel says, stop. And then as he looked to the side, there was a ram in the thickets. There was a ram on the mountaintop caught, and the God provided the sacrifice. And the lesson I said from Friday is, it's not our flesh and bones that can make us right with God. Our Isaac was Abraham's Flesh and blood. It's not our flesh. It's not our works. It's not our efforts that we sacrifice or what we do for God that makes us right with God. But it's only a sacrifice that God provides that can make us right. Only His sacrifice. And Jesus on Good Friday is a picture of the, the ram in the thickets. It's, it's, it's God's provision only God's provision his gift can be it's a grace thing that you are right with him nothing we do no matter how good we are or how nice we go we don't swear for a week and when nice to people crossing the road and we think good things nothing we do can make us right with God our efforts can't only the provision of God and that's the good Friday message and it's to me it's a strange kind of plan God's ways are not my ways Isaiah 55, 8-9 to says this, and that should be coming on the screen. It says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Like, I find it challenging. God's way is not our way. His thoughts, we think everything should fit in this little box and that my life should go like this: I go to school, I go to uni, I get a job, I do this, I do that, or whatever. But God doesn't move in those kind of linear ways. He, His pathways are strange and unusual. I remember years ago, um, some you know we moved to the United States, came back after a couple of years, we we're here for a few years. I built a house in that two years, and that house did really well financially. I sold it to go back to America. And I, I basically made a third of the money in two years. So what did I do? It cost me $100,000. I sold it for $150,000. And I had $50,000 profit. And I used that money to get my green cards to pay for traveling over to New York with my wife and newborn baby. And, and I used most of the money then to, to live. I had a full-time job, but it just paid the rent. And a you know, wife with a baby who couldn't work. So I used that money up over two years just to survive. And we ended up coming back because I ran out of money. And a friend of mine said, gee, you blew it there. I said, really? He goes, yeah, God wouldn't have you go to America and spend all your money. I was like, well, why not? Who, who says? What, is that that your box of what God is means that it, it had to work out a different way? I didn't feel that at all. I felt like it was God's will. I went. We ended up coming home? His ways are not my ways as the heavens above the earth. And I looked at that money as my offering to him, my stepping out of the waters. And God has given that back to us. So many fold over, over the years. Maybe that was my test, or am I willing to step out on the water? Am I willing to lay down finances for him? How much does finances have over me? We all have our tests. We can't say that that's not God's way, or, you know, there are some things, of course. We don't kill people. That's not God's way. But, but God's pathway for us can take us down seemingly strange directions. Reason for this is this. As I said last week, God lives in eternity. We live in time. So we live in this bubble. Just say it's a little bubble. It's time. We have sunsets. We have sunrises. We have full moons. We have winter, summer. We have the the earth is a clock with all these seasons. It emphasizes the time realm we live in. But God lives in eternity. He lives beyond time. He lives above time. He doesn't live according to time. We do. He knows your life from beginning to end. He, He can see your life like boom. He, before you were born, the Bible said, he knew you. Boom. He, a flash like that, he sees you being born. You're living your life. You're dying and your eternity. That's how he sees your life. So he knows what's going to happen before it's going to happen. If there was a mountain in Shepparton, I'm going to assume there's a mountain, okay? We're going to call it Mount Shepparton. You, we're praying We're praying for it, okay? I'm, I could use a Gold Coast illustration, but I want to make it real. So I'm going to invent a mountain called Shepparton. If you were on Mount Shepparton and you were looking down over Shepparton, you would see all of Shepparton. You'd see that suburb, that suburb, the city, the lights, you'd see all the geographical landscape and you'd have a good overview from being up high. But if you're in your place at koala Lakes, yeah, Lakes, and you've got your walls of your fence around and you can just see your neighbour's roof, you have a limited view. We kind of live in time in this limited view with within a fenced in perimeter. And how can we expect to know what's a kilometer away and what's going on? But only from above looking down can you see a little more. God sees a little more than what we can see. That's why we need to trust in his ways. He knows what's about to happen before we do. Proverbs 16.25 says this. There is a way that seems right to a man. That means a human. Let's just say Human. But its end is the way of death. How often have we done things and we go, yeah, that's going to be good. I'm going to get the car. That's a good car. That's the right car. And we buy it and we go, oh, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have bought that car or house. Or, you know, sometimes when we don't get wise counsel and we don't take time, we have these regrets. Our way often in ourselves is, is a second rate kind of thing. But when we get God's counsel on something, it's what works out best. Psalm 37, 23 says, The steps of a good person or a man or a woman established by the Lord when he delights in his way. So when we're delighting in God's way, when we're following his way, it's the way that brings prosperity in our soul and in our life. Following his path is the best way to go. Even though it doesn't make sense, his way is the best way. Abraham, why are you asking me to sacrifice my son? This doesn't make sense. I waited for decades and decades for this son but yet you're telling me to sacrifice him. I don't get it. He's the promise. I, I'm not going to get another one. We're too old. But he had a relationship with God where he just trusted God. He doesn't know how it's going to work out, but he'll raise my son from the dead if he has to. Something. I'm just going to be obedient and God will work it out. And God stopped him. He wasn't going to make him sacrifice his son. See, God knows the right time for you. He knows the right season. He knew when Abraham was to have Isaac, he knew the right time in history when Jesus was to come to the earth. He has the seasons and the times of our life in His hand. He knows what's the best timing. Why didn't Jesus come in two thousand? At the at two thousand, what was it? The millennial bug. Remember, why didn't He come at that moment? That might have been a smarter move. It would have had the attention of the world. And Jesus comes at New Year's Eve. Like. Maybe there was better times that Jesus could have come and died. God knew the right time of providence in history when Jesus was to come die and rise again. And he knows the best timing and providence for your life and for your seasons if we're trusting and we're leaning into him. The apostles, not the apostles, the the Pharisees and Sadducees were the uh, religious leaders of the day. They missed the Messiah. They thought it had to be this way. They thought the Messiah would come as a reigning king and he would be glorious and he would be this. They didn't realize the Messiah was to come as a humble carpenter, as a servant, as a, a one of the people. They didn't realize. They, they could not see the revival of God because they were in their religious ways of this is how it's always been done. But God's ways aren't our ways as the heavens are above the earth. So are his ways above our ways. I think of it like this. okay? Just that so we've got Mount Shepparton. And we want to go from this side to the other side. The logical way is to walk around the bottom, isn't it? Where it's flat. I'm going to walk around the flat where it's nice and easy. I don't have to go up any hills. It's it's you know, it's it's quickest. The quickest way is the best way. The flattest way is the best way. God's going, no, 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 no. I want you to go over the top. No, Lord, that can't be right. That's gonna take way longer. That involves a lot of physical work. And Yeah, I don't think that's smart. I I think we need to go around the bottom. He's going, no, 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 listen to my voice. My voice is saying go over the top. See, because he's up top and he's looking down and he's like, you don't realize that there's all these lions around the corner. You don't realize there's all these bandits around the next bend. You don't realize you won't make it around there. You will be attacked, beaten before you can get there. My way is the best way go up and over, it's longer, it's going to hurt a bit more, you get to the top, but when you get to the top, you have a bigger perspective, a bigger view, you can actually see the next step. If you went around the bottom, you don't realize what's up at the next mountain, but when you get on top of a mountain, you can see the next mountain, and you can see the lakes and the rivers, and there's fresh water there, and, there's... and we can see from God's perspective, we just follow His way, and we get to the other side, because His ways are not our ways. There's a theory in science, and I'm not a scientist, But I'll pretend I am. It's called the chaos theory. Not the Big Bang. We don't believe in the Big Bang at church, do we? We believe in creation, the Big Bang. The chaos theory. The chaos theory is this, that looking under microscopes or whatever, up close to particles and energy, it can look like random chaos. It looks like there's no order to it. It looks like there's no kind of pattern. But then scientists, when they go out to the macro... And they wait for time to to pass. They start to see that that random chaos actually forms patterns. It actually forms um, a purpose. When you're up close, you can't see it. It just looks like random chaos. But from a higher perspective, and let time have its course, let patience have its course, those particles be formed, they're actually randomly creating something. It's called the chaos theory. It's a bit like the traffic lights, isn't it? Yet the traffic lights, it doesn't seem like any logical reason sometimes, does it? I've been sitting here forever, and you know, that, they went, they went, when, when's my turn? There's another set of lights down there. But the people that run the traffic lights, there's actually systems in place, so that, that when this satellite, this, this satellite, when this, this traffic light's doing this, then the next one's open, and, and they're looking at the big picture of Shepparton and the cities and towns. There's, there's a, an ordered process to what can seem like chaos when you see it from a higher perspective. Another example is a jigsaw puzzle. Who likes jigsaw puzzles? Not me. (laughs) Uh, I don't like them at all. No interest. It's actually stressful. If I saw a whole lot of jigsaw puzzles in a heap, it just would stress me out. I hate that. Ooh. But you you pick up the pieces, and it seems like they're all random pieces and there's no logic to it. Some of them are bent, you know, some of them not bent. Some of them are like got, you know shapes and zigzags and curves in them and and one's this color and one's that color and it seems like random chaos to me. But some are missing. Oh yeah, that's if you... (laughs) And then, then you start to get them, the people that do these, and they find a couple of pieces that match and they join them together and then over time with a bit of patience, takes a bit of patience to do a jigsaw it starts to form a pattern and over time while well, you've spent you've, you've joined all these pieces up that seem like random pieces that make no sense at the very end of it you have this whole beautiful landscape or picture or image or word our lives are a bit like that we we can't kind of work out our life like by looking at one piece We've just got to go, you know what, I'm going to trust the jigsaw puzzle creator. I'm going to trust that as each piece joins itself and each color, at the end of it is going to be a beautiful tapestry of the purposes of God. And that's what your life is about. But that comes from trust and putting a hope in Him. Instagrammers, Facebookers, there's a statement here for you. I think I wrote it. I'm pretty sure I did I'll have to Google it, but anyway, I'm sure I wrote this. You cannot judge a life in process only after it's run its full term. We cannot look at another person's life and judge it in process. It's only when the finished has happened. You know, when God judges, He doesn't judge during our life on this earth. The great throne judgment, the Bible says, is after we've died, after after it's finished. He looks back over our life. He, he doesn't judge us when we've mucked up in that thing because he's not finished with us yet. You know, the puzzle's not over yet. It's at the begin end. So let's not judge each other because of what we're going through. You know, you don't know the gems that God is doing in someone's life that, that may not fit your box or my thinking. His ways aren't our ways as the heavens are above the earth. There's a story in the Bible we're just going to briefly look at. The story of Joseph. Joseph is the grandson of Isaac. So Abraham has Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. Jacob has seven sons, isn't it? Six sons. Twelve sons, sorry. Twelve (laughs) tribes. He had lots of sons and some daughters. Anyway, his grandfather's Isaac. So so Abraham's promise happens here. There's, There's a whole tribe of them now. God's fulfilling his word over Abraham's life. And Joseph is this kind of smart alley, bit cocky kind of boy who his dad loves him. He's favored by his father. And, you know, many of us know the story. He, he gets this coat from his father. You know, I call it the Technicolor Dream Coat. I think, you know, it's from the play. But he got this coat that was all these colors and symbolized status and position and favor in his, his family. And his whole family and his brothers hated him because he was the favorite, you know, they're all jealous of him. And he had this dream that the moon and the the sun and the stars bowed down to him. Basically, the interpretation is that his mother and his father and his brothers are going to bow down to him. But he doesn't keep it a secret. He likes to tell them all about it. That you guys are going to bow down to me and I'm so good. So his brothers hate him. And what they do is they, they throw him into a pit. And then some traders came along. And they sold him as a slave. Then they told their father that, an animal had killed him, and then and, and you're never going to see your son again. And then they watched their father mourn and weep in pain for years because he'd lost his favorite son. Then Joseph gets sold by the slave traders to a guy called Potiphar in Egypt. And here he is working for Potiphar, doing the right thing as, as a slave. And then Potiphar's wife finds him. He's obviously an attractive man. Thought, oh, I like him, and tries to seduce him. But Joseph, being a good Christian boy says, no, 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 that's not for me. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm not going to let you seduce me. And he runs. And then she accuses him of rape. And so then they get him and they throw him in prison. So he's he's in the pit. He's rejected by his family. He's thinking, why am I here? Why is this happening to me? He's in slavery. He's in Potiphar's house. Now he's he's accused of being a rapist. Like, I don't know what it's like being in prison that day. You're, You're a rapist. And he has a stigma over him in prison as being a rapist. Then he's in prison for about 12 years, 12 years. But he had a dream from God at the beginning that he was going to have the sun and the moon and the stars were going to bow down to him, that he'd be in some kind of position of authority, that, that there was a dream over his life, that there was a purpose for his life. But 12 years later, he's in prison still, and he's a slave. Like You've got to be saying, God, I've missed it. I've made a wrong decision. I'm in the wrong place, or somebody else has made a wrong decision, or or this is just unfortunate circumstances, or how did I get here? But you know, he was in the perfect plan of God for his life. Yeah. How could God's plan be that you were in prison? Well, he did, and it was God's plan. Yeah. 12 years later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king come, and they're thrown in prison. Joseph can interpret dreams. He interprets his dream, their dreams, and he says, one of you is going to be beheaded. The other one's going to go back and serve their master. But that was the cupbearer. He said, when you go back, tell the pharaoh about me. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Every day he's he's waiting for the cupbearer to say, you know, there's a guy in prison. He shouldn't be there. He's wrongly put in there. He's from a really wealthy family. And, you know, this is all a big mistake. Two years later, every day he's expecting to hear from the cupbearer that Pharaoh's granted him a release. Nothing for two years. Then two years later, Pharaoh has a dream. And the cupbearer goes, oh, I remember the guy in prison. I'll get myself some brownie points with Pharaoh. And I'll tell him about this guy. And then, and then Pharaoh's going to think, I'm pretty good. And so he tells him about Joseph. And Joseph interprets the dream. They take him from prison. I see, Joseph went from prison to being the prime minister. That Pharaoh made him second in charge. So in a day... He went to being the most successful second in charge, prime minister of the most powerful nation on earth. Egypt in the day was the most advanced technology, culturally, art in every form. And here he is, the second in charge to Pharaoh over the whole of Egypt in a day. See, God can take a long time to move quickly in your life. God can take a long time. To move quickly in your life. You don't know what's around the corner. See, the end for you is just the beginning. See, death is a new day of three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. Three days later, they weren't expecting that he'd raised from the dead. Even the apostles, his disciples were bewildered. They were perplexed. Jesus isn't supposed to die. He's supposed to be the ruling reigning king. He's the Messiah, but he's died. See, their expectations were taken from them because how they thought it should happen hadn't happened. But it was fine. He was dead. So this is it. It's, 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 he's dead. There's no kind of circumstances are going to change. They didn't realize that God's master plans aren't our ways, and that on the third day, God raised him from the dead. God can bring your broken dreams, your broken hopes, and He can resurrect them. He can make it a new day. He can bring a new season for your life. It's never over. Even when it's dead and buried, it's never over. It's never over. You know, when we lay our dreams and our desires on the altar of God and we give up and say they're yours... It's only when he raises them from the dead that they have power. If we do it in our own strength, it's limited by our own resources and who we are. But until we're prepared to throw it in the wind and say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. I can't do it. I'm not good enough. And I'm just throwing it to you. If you make it happen, it happens. If you don't, that is your decision. But when he raises it from the dead, it's raised with supernatural resurrection power. And that thing that God has called you to comes to pass and is fruitful and is beyond your wildest dreams. We're looking at 14 years now when he becomes a prime minister. It's about another seven years. A famine is in the land, in the land of Canaan. And Jacob says to the sons, go back to Egypt. Go to Egypt. They've got food there. The reason they had food is because the prime minister, Joseph, got them to store the food in seven years of blessing. So Egypt had food. See, Joseph saved Egypt. As prime minister, he was a good steward. And he got all the food and he stored the excess in the seven years because he knew there was going to be a famine because God told him. And in that famine, he distributed food to the Egyptians. And when his father and family heard there was food in Egypt, they sent the sons. And so the sons come to Egypt and they lay down, they bow themselves before this Egyptian. This guy who dressed like an Egyptian, this guy who talked like an Egyptian, he sounded like an Egyptian. He spoke the Egyptian language, and they bowed before him and said, you master, we, we have no food. We, we, we will buy food. And they didn't realize that they were bowing down before Joseph. The prophecy, the dream had happened in a way that Joseph wasn't expecting, and the brothers weren't expecting. And he says, hey, I'm your brother. Eventually he says, I'm your I'm your brother. And God has brought this apart to pass. This has been the plan and will of God all along. Because if Joseph wasn't the prime minister, then Abraham's dream for Isaac would have died because they all would have died of famine in the land. God's master plan for your life has had processes in, in time for decades that you're not even aware of, that you may not even understand. As the music people could come up, please. Sorry, it's a little joke because I don't like saying musician because I could get it wrong. <laughs> Musos could come up, please, as I conclude. So your dreams, your hopes, your ambitions are in God's hands if, if we're willing to trust in Him. His ways aren't our ways. And just as one season, your life may have ended. You know, maybe there's people in this room and, and you've had a divorce. Or maybe you've, you've lost a child or, or a job or a bankruptcy. It's never over, it's never ended until, uh, it, it's not over. It, it, you know, when you're in that darkest hour, it feels like it's all over. All the thoughts that we shouldn't think come in, in that place of darkness. But you know, in the middle of the night, we need to know that the morning's gonna come. Eventually the sun will rise again and light will fill the earth. Your light will come. Your darkest hour is just the prelude to your greatest victory. I'm not just, not just words that I'm spilling out, that's what the Bible says. That God is for us, he's not against us, he's on your side. He has the best for you. He is a father who loves you. No, more, no one in the moment of Good Friday knew that there was a Resurrection Sunday. Nobody, even his closest friends. It says that if the powers of darkness had have known, they would never had crucified Jesus. See, powers of darkness think that's victory. They think we've got the Messiah, we've killed the Messiah, we've destroyed the purposes of God. But God allowed them to play into his hand to crucify him because he was supposed to be crucified. It's all through scriptures and prophecies. The Passover lamb, the ram in the thickets, he was, always, he was born to be a sacrifice for our redemption. If they had to known the powers of darkness would never have crucified the Son of God part of God's master plan his ways are not our ways on the third day he rose from the dead that he who believes in him will not perish the Bible says but will have eternal life Jesus even Thomas the doubting Thomas it says I don't believe Jesus raised from the dead I need to see I, I need to put my hands in the holes in his hand and the hole where the sword went in before I will believe that Jesus raised from the dead and he saw and did Jesus said It's great that you believe, but blessed are they who believe and have not seen me. That's us, blessed are us who believe and have not seen him. Jesus is the author and the finisher of your faith. Proverbs 3, five to six, this is the parting thought I wanna leave with you is this. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not in your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. And He will make our path straight. You don't know what's gone on to this moment in your life. You don't know what may happen tomorrow. But have hope, no matter what it may be. As we put our faith and trust in Him, He has a plan. Did I think when I was living in New York, New York, that I would be living in Shepparton one day? No. Did I think six months ago I'd be living in Shepparton one day? No not on the radar, wasn't like my destination that I wanted to move to. It's a lovely place, don't get me wrong, but it was not, but my ways are not his ways. All I have to do is trust and obey and that he has a bright future and he will work it out. Do it for me, he can do it for you. Why don't we stand this morning? We're gonna be finishing soon. I'd like to pray over you. I'm going to pray for two groups of people today the first group is just people seeking direction and clarity and you know we often ask these questions why god why why has this happened and they're valid questions but will we continue even when we don't know the why that's called faith heavenly father i just pray for every person here today father every situation that that is represented father every fear every loneliness father every burden and confusion that might be on any life, Father, about the future why this has happened or why the past has been, Father. And I just pray, Father, that you would reveal yourself in a fresh way to people, Father, that you would shine fresh light in the darkness, that you would resurrection light in people's lives, Father, that it would be a new day, Father, that you would direct people in ways they weren't expecting, Father. Let them hear your voice. Let them know you, Father. God, I pray, Father, for people that you would draw them closer to yourself, that it would be a new day, Father. I pray over this church, it's a new season, Father, that the past has gone, Father the past is gone it's a new day father a new spirit a new anointing on this church father with a magnificent future in jesus name amen amen thank you for listening to this message to stay in touch with encounter follow us on instagram at encounter.cc or find us on facebook at encounter.shepperton